Welcome to Insights into Action from KPMG, where we bring together business professionals and specialists from KPMG and beyond. In each episode, we'll delve into real-world stories and share unique insights that provide tangible actions that will benefit your business and help you navigate today's challenges and tomorrow's opportunities. Welcome to the Insights into Action podcast series. My name is Peter Liddell, and I lead KPMG's Global Operations Center of Excellence. In this series of bite-sized episodes, we explore a number of key trends that we've identified that will create both challenges and opportunities across global supply chains in 2023. We explore all things from cybercrime right through to sustainability, and we'll be unpacking what our clients need to know in order to set themselves up for success. In today's episode, we're going to discuss how geopolitical tensions are placing a strain on cooperation across borders and what this means for supply chain managers. Joining me today is Dr. Meriden Morrell. Meriden is a director at KPMG Australia and leads our geopolitics hub, where she helps businesses understand and navigate the complex global geopolitical environment. Welcome, Meriden. It's great to be with you, Pete. So, Meriden, when people raise geopolitics or start talking about this topic, naturally the mindset goes to China you start thinking about what's happening in Russia, Ukraine. But I'm sure there's other jurisdictions, parts of the world where geopolitics is just as important. Just for the listeners of the podcast, what might some of those other areas be that we typically don't think about? There's almost as many areas as there are countries and issues. And I think the thing that we're trying to really identify and help our clients to understand is that the particular issues themselves, looking at a particular place, the political risk in a particular area... That's one thing, but we have to actually raise ourselves up a little bit higher and understand what is the coherent story that's driving all of these risks in various places around the world, because otherwise you're just bombarded by headlines and bombarded by bad news stories. And then you sort of play the proverbial whack-a-mole that you see a thing over here, you see a thing over there. But rather, I think when we're thinking about geopolitics, we need to see the whole picture. We need to see the macro story so that we are able to understand that while X might be happening in Africa and Y might be happening in Russia, there's something common that's going on that if we understand, we've got a better chance of mitigating. Yeah, and you use the word there, various, or you refer to risks, so not one risk or not one challenge. And again, when I hear the topic geopolitics, I naturally think of trade flows, tax, indirect tax implications that you might see. But I'm sure there's many other things as well. What are some of the other things that we typically don't align or think about when we hear the word geopolitics? From a business point of view, if you're doing anything that involves going outside of your country, and in fact, even if you're staying inside of your country, you're exposed to geopolitical risk, you're vulnerable. And what we do is we divide them into four kind of thematic areas. We look at structural shifts in the international system. So we look at the way in which countries who haven't been powerful and important in the past are becoming powerful and important now. The second thing we look at is rising mistrust around the world. And we're talking here about populations, humans who are increasingly dissatisfied with the globalisation project. And what they do then is they have this sense of anger towards the status quo and elite. And that creates social unrest, instability, but it also creates really fertile ground for populism and populist leaders. Populist leaders are sceptical of international institutions, openness, free trade. They don't like that stuff. And domestically, they're very sceptical about democratic institutions, which are, for us from a business point of view, essential for being able to conduct business. We look at technology and the geopolitics driving technological developments and the way in which technological developments also 
affect geopolitics. And last, we also think about climate change. It's not just about how extreme weather events are going to affect your supply chains or your movement of goods or your infrastructure, but we have to think here about how climate change and extreme weather and access to resources are going to create instability and tension from, for example, the mass migration of tens of millions of people around the world and the instability that's going to cause. We have to think about climate change from a geopolitical point of view as exacerbating the existing tensions between developed and developing countries, as well as among developing countries. I like those four key themes there, Meriden. And maybe I'm just going to touch on the second one. So rising unrest. We're currently seeing a lot of unrest in the geopolitical sphere. So how impactful are these geopolitical tensions on supply chain management? The short answer to your question is very very impactful because what's happening, what I'm talking about here in terms of this geopolitical disruption, it's not a moment in time that's going to settle down soon. And that's been something that we've understood in the past as, oh, this thing's happened, but it's going to go away and then things will get back to normal, back to business as usual. That pattern is changing. And while things will pop up and perhaps they themselves will disappear, more volatility, more disruption will pop up. The WEF, the World Economic Forum, calls it a polycrisis because there's so much going on. So very, they're going to likely have a great deal of impact on supply chain management. Thinking through a recent global survey that KPMG completed late last year, end of 2022, we found that from that survey that 60% of the executives surveyed expect that geopolitical instability will actually have a detrimental impact on their supply chains over the next three years, so 2023 through 2025. Are organisations or even national governments taking any proactive or decisive action to prepare for this disruption? So to me, the first thing that strikes me is that it's only 60%. I mean, as I said before, anybody with a supply chain is going to be impacted by climate change, by rising tensions, by geotechnology, by this structural reshaping of the international system. So I'm surprised that it's only 60%. If we start with governments, this is where I think the driving force is coming from because it's governments who are increasing their sense of insecurity. It's governments who are bringing the idea of national interest into the trade and economic sphere. COVID really sent a a strong signal, a really strong message to governments to think about how do you know that what you need to continue to be prosperous is going to be able to continue to be delivered to you? Now, as for companies, the picture is quite varied. Certain companies in certain sectors, in certain geographies, are really taking action on geopolitical risk, but many aren't. It depends on the size of the company. It depends how exposed they are. It depends how many resources they have to apply to just another challenge that they're seeing coming at them. But we're seeing really varied preparations. If we think, for example, about the defence industry and the procurement that the defence industry does, they are one sector that is really not taking any chances about obtaining the supplies that they need to continue. They are only working with countries who they consider to be trusted, highly trusted partners. So for example, in Australia, that's generally Five Eyes countries who they have a really trusted security relationship with. But some companies are starting to follow suit and understanding that it's important to take action to ensure the stability and the security of their supply chains as well. But it's much more patchy, I think. Thank you for being shocked at that statistic because that was my reaction also. And so my first reaction when I saw that survey response was, is that because supply chain managers or business execs are maybe not thinking about geopolitics or geopolitical 
risks or sensitivities until they are trading or until they are considering alternative strategies. So maybe my question to you is, at what point should supply chain managers, business executives be thinking about this specific topic and the impact to their end-to-end operations, just not the ability to source or to deliver to a customer in another market? We cannot separate politics, geopolitics from our trade anymore. Companies need to be thinking about it, not after it's happened as a thing to fix up, but this is a real shift. We need to be super proactive about building in resilience, building in the structures and the processes, ensuring that we have the people, the information that we need to, when something happens, because it will, to be ready to react to it rather than post hoc, oh, cripe, something terrible's happened, what are we going to do? We need to be much more proactive and looking at things from now, right now, building things in and putting them in place. Sure. I listen to that and I go, that's obvious, but I'm sure it's probably a, a new skill. And I come back to those four themes you mentioned earlier, right? Because if you'd say it to me, I just think, okay, trade flow and tax. I wasn't thinking climate change. I wasn't thinking technology. I wasn't thinking structural shifts. So it might be something that, again, a lot of supply chain managers or execs who are listening to this podcast probably should be thinking about how do I get a broader perspective of what geopolitics is and what does it mean to my organisation? So thanks. I think that's a really good insight. You spoke about protectionism, critical infrastructure, critical industries. And if I think about what's been happening for a decade, there's been a lot of talk about nearshoring as a potential solution to mitigate a whole range of supply chain risks, including geopolitical issues. So could nearshoring or friendshoring with compatible jurisdictions provide a solution? And how do supply chain managers or executives work their way through understanding what a compatible trading partner might be? Yeah, that's a really important question. And we're already seeing this phenomenon taking place. And I think there's a big difference between nearshoring and friendshoring or friend sourcing, because nearshoring has a kind of geographical logic to it. Whereas friendshoring and friend sourcing has no geographical logic. It's about who you trust and who trusts you. So, I mean, if we look at the case of Russia and Germany and Germany's energy supplies from Russia, that's lovely and near, very near indeed. But unfortunately, ultimately, very unreliable. And so nearshoring is becoming less important, even if it's going to cost more. So this is where the political logic is overtaking the economic logic. It's not going to be a cost-benefit analysis in a financial sense. It's going to be a cost-benefit analysis in a values, reliability, trustworthy sense. So we're going to see a lot more of this friend-shoring and friend-sourcing. And one classic example would have to be in critical minerals, where the supplier at the moment has the advantage of efficiency, the advantage of pre-established infrastructure, all the supply chains are in place. But because that supplier is deemed by some including Australia, the US, the UK, as politically unreliable, a competitor, we're desperately trying to diversify the sources of those critical minerals to friends. Yeah, interesting. All right, there's a lot of points you've raised, Meriden. If you were to be able to prioritise or call out, what are those key areas of advice that you would give to supply chain managers or executives that are listening to this podcast? What key actions should they take right away from the podcast and start to think about as part of their overall end-to-end enterprise or supply chain risk management strategies? I think the first thing would be, if you're a part of the 40% who don't think that geopolitics matters to you, please reconsider actively <laughs> your 
decision there. Become part of the majority on that one. Number one, acknowledge and be aware that this risk landscape is real and it's not going away. That's really the most important thing. The second point is we have to be sure that we're able to map our supply chains down to the entity tier. As far as we can possibly go, we need to map our supply chains because if we find a spot where there's a potential choke point and if that point has uh, some geopolitical vulnerability to it and without that point being free, then, then our whole supply chain is going to be blocked. We have to know about it. We have to mitigate it. And we have to be thinking about geopolitics in that broader sense. We have to be thinking about sanctions, political unrest, societal polarisation. But we then have to also be thinking, what are the impacts going to be? We're not ever going to be able to design a supply chain that's 100% fail safe. So we have to have some risk appetite. We have to say, okay, well, this point at this place, I can't do anything about that, or that's the best I can do. But if issue X, which I know about, does arise, what am I going to do about it? Do I know what the lead time, what the costs are going to be if I have to reroute? So we really have to be, as I said before, so much more proactive in understanding where the risks are and what we're going to do about them before they happen. Thank you, Meriden, for your time. This has been really interesting and really insightful. And I'm sure people that are listening to this podcast will have actually learned a lot about geopolitics and the depth and breadth of the impacts that they have, not just on supply chains, but broader enterprise risks as well. If you'd like to explore the impact of geopolitical tensions on supply chains across the world in more detail, you can read our report, Supply Chain Trends, Shaking Up 2023. This report's accessed by the link in the description. And here you'll also find an overview of the other trends that we've explored as part of this podcast series. You can also get in touch with myself or Meriden directly, should you have any further questions or would like to discuss how KPMG can help you to navigate the challenges and explore the opportunities that come with ongoing change and disruption. Simply get in touch with us by the links in the report. You can listen right now to the other episodes discussing 2023 supply chain trends wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, a sincere thanks to Meriden once again, and thanks to you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insights Into Action. Please visit our website for more advisory insights and all the other episodes in the series. Make sure to subscribe through your podcast provider so you're alerted for any new episodes and check out the other podcasts available from KPMG. Thank you and see you next time.